Welcome to the TNL Talks podcast. I'm Chris Galloway, Director of Secondary Learning, Advanced Academics, and Assessments for Floresville ISD. And I'm Irma Guerra, Director of Elementary Learning and Federal Programs here in Floresville ISD. On this week's episode, we are exploring innovation in Floresville ISD. We will be interviewing two staff members who have really excelled at providing innovation to their students. So we would like to welcome to the TNL Talks podcast for this week's episode, Megan Aguilar and Angela Garcia. We're here at Floresville Middle School with Megan Aguilar, an art teacher. Megan, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? First of all, I'm happy to be on your show. Uh, a little nervous, but, but we'll make it through. This is my seventh year here uh, in Floresville and at FMS. Um, I teach most of the seventh and eighth grade art classes in advanced art. So I've got some really talented kiddos that I get to pull all that creativity out of. That's exciting because art is so important, I think, to the regular curriculum. It, it really allows students to explore their creativity and some of their passions. Well, speaking of that, you presented at a board presentation, I think, towards the end of the last year. Can you kind of tell us a little bit about what that presentation was about? Absolutely. So we presented on uh, on blended learning. Erin uh, Ashenbeck, the other art teacher on our campus, and I presented on kind of a smattering of the things that we've been doing with blended learning and, and how it's affected our students. So we've done things like digital choice boards where some of the product could be paper-based if they chose that, but other products are going to be digital and will be on the computer and, and things like that. So they get the choices and it all gets mixed in so that they do get experience in, in all of those areas. We use programs like Padlet and uh, ThingLink and uh, all of these great uh, programs that students can use to show us their knowledge in a different way. Because a lot of times I know that several art teachers are very hesitant to bring technology into the classroom because it's supposed to be pen and paper. I need to see what they can do, but you can still understand and see their learning if they create it in a digital way as well. I really love that aspect of it. I thought the presentation was fantastic that you did with the school board. It really showcased the different types of things you can do with digital learning and things like that. And I know you participate in the blended learning you teach cohort um, with several other teachers. Now there are probably several teachers who are listening to this podcast who are not art teachers. How could you see them apply Applying blended learning in their classroom. Oh man, there are so many ways. It doesn't matter your content, you will be able to uh, incorporate those things. We started last year without our set of Chromebooks, so we weren't one-to-one, so we dug hard into station rotations so that I was working with a small group on something that needed more direct teach, and then there was two different technology stations that they were at doing two different things, getting information in a digital way. They watched a video, they heard a clip, they had to browse a website, and then it all fit in with the same thing, and they all were able to get all of those stations in so that was a big one that that can be incorporated anywhere for sure and then like I said the the choice boards those are those are easy to set up for any content I think of science pretty easily because there's some of the research-based stuff they need to do we saw a forensic science class when we got to go kind of on a field trip about blended learning specifically and they were creating podcasts about these cases they were looking up. So there's there's tons of options for, for even core curriculum, especially to be able to incorporate blended learning. I think blended learning is a really creative and innovative way to really get teachers to create a student-centered classroom. Right, and the way that you've 
made it work for art. I think it's so incredibly innovative and it really gives the students just a different way to experience the curriculum that you provide to them. So kind of thinking about you know the things that you've done in the past, the board presentation. This summer we also attended the PLC Institute and you were able to be a part of that as a representative from Floresville Middle School. And so thinking specifically about PLCs, how do you see art specifically um, into that whole process of a professional learning community? That's a great question. I, I really enjoyed the PLC Institute. I love any opportunity to, to learn and extend my learning because it's all going to benefit the students in the end. So I'm, right. I'm a big nerd with all of that. Give me Give me all of it. So I enjoyed it in that I was able to go to several different sessions that piqued my interest. And then just PLC in general, the four questions, the what are you going to learn? Or what do you want the students to learn? How are you going to know they learned it? What are you going to do when they don't? And then what are you going to do when they do? Those are questions that are fundamental to any any content whatsoever. Right. When we started to do PLCs more last year, and then we have a, a strong foundation for this year, it's good to be able to look back and say, are we starting with the end in mind? Mm -hmm. And how are we going to allow them choice to be able to get there? We're, we're really incorporating a lot of TAB, which is Teaching for Artistic Behavior, mm -hmm. instead of, which is a choice-based art program, mm -hmm. versus um, just everybody does exactly the same thing in this class. So they right. get a lot more free choice with that, and I feel it falls in with that a lot better because they can find ways to show me they know it. And then the extensions on are, are also personalized to those students in that way too. And it, it kind of sounds to me a little bit like it matches up really well with blended learning because when you think about blended learning and for example the station rotation that you gave, well that's all about differentiating for students. And so when you think about those four fundamental questions of a PLC, it is all centered around differentiation. What are you going to do when the students know the material and then what is it going to look like when they are struggling and need some additional assistance. And I think that your answer Miss Aguilar is excellent because it shows us that how important it is as a teacher to be planning your your right. instruction mm -hmm. and that PLC is not just for core content areas that really all content areas can benefit from that process. Absolutely. And it's not just another meeting Correct. either. I mean it's very it's very intentional. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a good word. I have to thank you, Miss Aguilar, because one of the things you did is you're one of our first listeners to our podcast, <laughs> and you reached out to us. And, and, and she created. I was going to say she reached yeah. out to us and created a our new logo that, that is up right now, and we love it to death, and we appreciate that, you know, because some of us don't have all the artistic ability. That's so right. You, you saw a vision, and you really hooked us up, so I appreciate that. But speaking of that, part of that process, you reached out and said that you were just going to start a podcast. Uh, tell us about that podcast where you're at in that process and what you intend for your listeners to to hear from that podcast fantastic um you're welcome uh <laughs> i i love creating myself obviously hopefully every art teacher does when i was thinking about my own podcast and i saw yours i was like what's my logo gonna be what's my tag gonna be because visually that's what i always start with i'm a visual arts teacher so i just had fun playing around with y'all's yeah. logo and then creating ours <laughs> so it's gonna be the mess in 310 because you know art's not always the cleanest place and I apologize to my custodian at least once every quarter <laughs> um, but my hope is that we can start podcasting in week maybe four or five I don't need all of the fancy technology the microphones and things that I have applied for a grant to receive and I don't know when that grant will be given or if I will win it but regardless if 
if I have that stuff, I would really love for my students to start thinking more globally. That's one of my takeaways from PLC Institute was these these global ideas of they're called global competencies, but it's you know things that connect everyone in the world and problems that everyone faces. And so I'd like for them to start with those, creating art and ideas around those, and then speaking on what their ideas are, how they created that piece of artwork, and it's kind of like a critique in themselves. So they've got the background knowledge, and then they've been able to create something and then say, this went well, I could maybe fix this for next time, and give themselves just kind of their self-interview almost to to evaluate their work and and how accurately they were able to produce that product. I think that's going to be a great option for students to mm-hmm. kind of showcase the right. things they've learned and, and I feel like in a really safe manner being on a podcast where they don't even have to use their real name or you know and it'd be really great for them and speaking of global I know you didn't mean it's this way but Ms. Geta and I just discovered that we have a listener in Israel to our podcast. That's fantastic. So shout out to that person and we're excited to know that we're reaching all corners of the world. Yeah Yeah. and I think you've really been somebody that can model that you know for other people to just take a leap of faith you know we we interviewed Dr. Bays earlier and Mm -hmm. she really talked about thinking outside of the box being really innovative with the idea. Taking risks. Taking risks exactly and so I mean wow what um what a testament to you, not only as a teacher, but an art teacher, to really take that that risk and to think outside the box and give your students an additional opportunity to show their work and showcase themselves as artists. So kudos to you. I think that's Thank so you. awesome. I can't wait to hear it. Yes. I know, me either. Self, <laughs> self-efficacy is, is something that I like to try to build up in students, and it's something that one of the high school art teachers, Mr. Barnes and I, talk about a lot, and it's this confidence in what they are creating and making sure that they understand that it's part of themselves it came out of them and I feel like that podcast those ideas are going to really help build that I think so I definitely do as well Um, so the last thing that we wanted to talk to you about was we heard that you recently applied for some grants as you mentioned and then we also heard that you're going to be doing some presentations coming up this school year yeah we're really excited for you so (laughs) tell us a little bit about what you're going to be presenting on and when those conferences are going to be held yeah so i did apply for the tcea grant for region 20 for the podcasting materials just some fancy little things that could help my students feel a little more professional when they're creating their podcast versus my phone or their phone being what records it but there's no 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 shame in that at all it's we'll do with whatever we have exactly (laughs) yeah but other than that We got accepted, Aaron Ashenbeck and I, my other art teacher on campus, got accepted as presenters at the Texas Art Education Association State Conference in Galveston. We've presented before, but last year we took a hiatus, we didn't go, and this year we're presenting twice. One on just general blended learning ideas in the art classroom, and then I'm presenting one specifically on digital breakouts. And yes, (laughs) those are both gonna be really teaching art history specifically with a digital breakout so that's we're gonna have to find um, the Mona Lisa because I don't know if you all know but it was stolen at one point in time and that's really what made it popular was that it disappeared so we're gonna do some sleuthing with that uh, in a digital uh, escape room 
We're also going to be presenting with Denise Knight at TCEA in February in Austin about blended learning and bringing that digital media into a non-core class, into an elective class, into art. So we were thrilled to hear about accepting all of those or getting accepted to all yeah, of those. Definitely. So it's going to be busy this school year, but I'm, I'm excited because getting to share the knowledge that we get mm-hmm. is probably one of the best things because someone out there has that same question someone out there is doubting should I do this the answer is yes you should you should definitely do this and I do like you said earlier Dr. Bayes likes when we think out of the box and take risks and I'm willing to fail and I try to teach my kids that as well I'm willing to fail as long as I've tried my hardest so give me that grant let me go to that professional development and see what i can bring into my classroom and and if we can make this work for us so that's my idea behind that well mrs aguilar it sounds like you have a lot of expertise um since you've been trying different things and and learning from it would you mind sharing your email for our listeners in case someone wants to reach out to you and find out what they could do to to improve their their practice in the classroom absolutely um so my email address is M-A-G-U-I-L-A-R at F-I-S-D dot U-S. So it's my first initial and my last name, Megan Aguilar, at F-I-S-D dot U-S. And I'd love to hear whatever questions you have, and I hope to be able to help. Great. Thank you so much, Ms. Aguilar, for your time today. We really appreciate it. We appreciate you sharing all of the ideas with us. And hopefully, uh, you know, the listeners as well really appreciate hearing from you. So thank you so much. Thank you. You're very welcome. with Miss Angela Garcia, principal at Floresville Alternative School. So Miss Garcia, if you don't mind telling us a little bit about the Alternative School and some of the other school districts that may also attend. Absolutely, Chris and Irma, thank you so much for inviting me here today. I'd love to tell you a little bit more about the Floresville Alternative Education Center. We're a comprehensive campus that houses multiple programs, and there's only five other programs um, that are set up like ours in the state of Texas, so I think that's pretty unique. And what that allows us to do is have seamless services to students that are most at risk and need those services. So to tell you in detail what that looks like is we house the Disciplinary Alternative Education Program, which is also known as DAEP to most people. And that houses students who have been removed from their home campus for disciplinary infractions to the Student Code of Conduct. And that can be anything from um, persistent misconduct, a lot of referrals, to more serious offenses. And they usually come to us for 30, 45, 60, 90, and sometimes 180 day placements. We also house the Juvenile Justice Alternative Education Program, and that is actually run by a juvenile board that is comprised of judges um, in the Carnes and Wilson County area. And um, that program serves students who have either been placed by the courts or placed by a school district for mandatory infractions. And then also, we have the juvenile probation department for Wilson County housed on our campus. And in that department, you have two probation officers um, that serve kids in Wilson County. 
and they work very closely with the Carnes County Probation Officers as well. And what that allows um, for having them on campus, the benefit is, is that they have access to our students. So our students um, have that mentor or that direct contact to the person that's providing the extra supervision while the student is um, in the juvenile justice system. Um, also, the police department is housed on our, on our campus, and uh, that's a great partnership, of course. And the good thing is, is that we don't really need them, but it's just good having them present there because we work collaboratively together. They're a great intervention source, and they help our students um, just uh, understand the, the uh, justice system sometimes, and they come hand out stickers and pencils and help us with presentations. So we love having them on our campus as well. Our campus serves three counties and 10 school districts and that would be all of Wilson, all of Carnes, and then um, the southeast portion of Bear County which includes Southside Independent School District and East Central. And uh, just for some historical perspective, uh, the DAP has been in existence since 1993 and we have been a share in a shared service arrangement since 1995. So we have been partnering with local districts for a very long time, which allows us to provide more uh, unique services to students than if we were to try to service our own kids just here in Floresville. Right. And you were also talking about, you know, just a little bit before we got started here, about some of the other services that maybe you go out and provide to campuses and districts as preventative measures, so to speak. So can you describe a little bit what that looks like? Yes. I would really like to praise our uh, chief of probation that oversees the probation department in both Carnes and Wilson County. Ms. Neva Schmidt has been serving as chief for over 30 years, and she has worked very diligently at putting prevention programs in place for uh, both counties. She has, under her program and the juvenile board, as well as different grants, been able to put together prevention specialists that go into the schools and provide pull-out services to students in the areas of positive action, making good choices, uh, social media awareness. They also provide uh, at all the campuses some parent training. So, for instance, they did some training at the middle school on, for parents on social media risk and the things to look forward to. Uh, they also house a couple of attendance specialists that work closely with the school district. I think it's really impressive that there are so many different districts that want to come to Floresville ISD for the alternative services for their students. That really goes to show how innovative the type of practices that you're doing on your campus because I don't think that we've seen innovative practices like that on an alternative campus before. Yes, and I also feel like all of the support that you provide for the social emotional needs of the students is really very unique. Um, especially in your setting. That leads to my next question, which is what are some of the innovative practices in regards to social emotional learning that are being utilized on your campus that isn't typical for an alternative campus? So we have a very structured discipline management system. All the students come in and the parents come in and they go through a, an explicit orientation and that is by design. It's also required by Texas Education Commission, but also it is by design so that it's simplified and everybody understands the expectations. So for instance, we have 10 minor rules and eight major rules. We try to make it simple so that students can be successful. But we have actually uh, started using restorative practice 
practices in the last three or four years, and this year we've taken it to a whole new level to where we've actually carved out time for students to get explicit instruction in social-emotional learning. And that's really important because social-emotional learning instructions helps kids learn how to cope with their feelings, set goals, make decisions, and get along well with others. And we know that that's a deficit with a few of our students. Also, social-emotional learning provides a foundation for safe and positive learning environments and enhances student abilities to succeed in school, uh, careers, and life. And these skills can be taught preschool through 12th grade. And so because we are a campus that we serve third grade through 12th grade, we think the sooner that we can be explicit with that instruction, the better outcomes our students are going to have being successful not just in school but in life in general. And so because we were able to go one-to-one -one with technology this year by the implementation of Chromebooks, we actually uh, gave up all the labs in the building and put one specific lab into a restorative center where now we're using restorative circles as a primary, not our only, but our primary focus at building relationships with students. And this has been exciting and we've had a lot of positive feedback from the teachers and the students because it gives them some time to work together and get to know each other outside of the classroom. And I think that that helps the teachers understand more about the student, who they are as a person, but also what some of their needs are because that is stuff that um, comes through during the discovery process, during those conversations. And then we've also brought in some PE time, um, which is another fun way for teachers to be able to work with kids outside of the classroom. It gets the kids up and moving. And so this year we're doing a whole lot of new fun things, mm -hmm. but really the goal is building relationships with our kids so that they have a better skill set of making positive relationships when they go back to their campus. To follow up on that, one of the things that stands out to me is your campus seems to be the, the final destination for a lot of these kids. And so the goal is to get them back to their campus. Uh, do you feel that social emotional learning, if implemented before they came to alternative school, before these incidents happened, could have prevented from several of them ending up at alternative school? Absolutely. So many of the behaviors that occur that get students there are from a lack of skills, whether it be coping skills, being able to handle a tough situation, um, how to navigate peer relationships or relationships with adults. There's just usually a gap um, in their social-emotional well-being, if you will. Mm -hmm. And so when they come to us, we get a unique opportunity to work with them in a more intimate setting. Our classes are designed to no more than 15 students to a classroom. And so the teachers typically get to know the students a little bit better and get to work with them more in a one-on-one -on -one situation than if you had a 45-minute rotating schedule and you're seeing 180 kids a day. And I'm not saying that my teachers don't service a lot of students, but because we're on a block schedule, um, they get to spend more quality time with the students in a smaller group setting. So that really benefits um, what the students get when they're with us. But I think that schools are getting better at trying to find ways for teachers, even in those other environments, to build relationships with students, understand where they are in their social emotional development, and help them bridge those gaps that they may have. So absolutely there's opportunity and room for growth in that area and I think Floresville is already on the right track at helping our regular campuses do that. Oh yeah definitely the high school you know this summer 
went through some restorative practices training. Um, the middle school and both elementary campuses have also been trained in capturing kids' hearts, and so that's definitely something that you know we're doing to, to try and support social-emotional learning of our students, not to mention the strategic plan also has uh, one of our goals to work on uh, building social-emotional learning of all of our students. So it's a priority for you know our district, and then obviously definitely a priority for you at the alternative campus. I think it's, it's because social media today, students don't have the same interaction that we had when we were kids. There's not a lot of going outside to play. It's a lot of online or where there's no real human contact, and they're having these interactions, and so they really don't know the best way to explore their feelings, the best way to communicate, and sometimes that comes in out in aggressive ways and they end up in situations where they end up at the alternative school. And Angela, you are probably um, one of the most innovative alternative school principals I've ever seen. Definitely. Um, it's rare <laughs> that you see these type of programs at an alternative school setting. I applaud you for that. One of the things that you did over the summer is you had the opportunity to attend Harvard University and received, well, I guess, like a scholarship to fly to Harvard for free, attend their Leadership Institute. So what are some of the things that you experienced from that that you plan on bringing back to Floresville ISD and to your campus? Yes, so thank you for all the nice compliments. I appreciate <laughs> that. Um, I'm very passionate about working with this population, and so um, that's where my heart lies. And I'm, I'm glad that Floresville ISD has given me the opportunity to serve these students. My opportunity to go to Harvard was life-changing. It was an amazing experience. I got to work with 130 uh, edu uh, principals from around the world. So it really broadened my understanding of education systems and given me a great perspective and also appreciation for public education in the United States. I think some of the, my takeaways that I'm most excited about bringing back to my campus was really the focus on culture. I got a lot of time to reflect on that while I was at Harvard through uh, some of the amazing professors I got to sit with and learn from. I was able to bring back a lot of tools to use with my staff so that while we look at uh, building collective commitments for our students, we look at designing a um, culture that embraces students where they are and helps them grow social and emotionally as well as academically. I am so blessed to have had that opportunity and I actually got to pair up with a few principals from other disciplinary alternative ed programs here mm -hmm. in Texas. Mm -hmm. So I'm currently working with um, somebody from Pearland ISD as well as another local school here in South Texas and we get to continue our um, support of each other as we try innovative things and I'm really excited about that. Awesome. Sounds like you made a really a great connection and really got to share with some other colleagues you know to be able to share ideas and, and like you said just make some connections with somebody that is in a unique sort of situation in the way that you are so I think it forms like a PLC and we talked yeah, about the professional definitely. learning community and we talked about this in one of our previous podcasts about the importance of professionals coming together and learning together to improve their practice yeah Every, I mean everything all around I mean even yesterday uh, when we sat down to talk with Miss Aguilar she talked about innovation thinking outside of the box being able to take risks um, and you really 
you know, echoing a lot of those mm-hmm. same patterns. Or I think it goes back to having a growth mindset and just really wanting to learn from other people around you and embracing ideas and, like you said, taking risk. And so I have a whole new network now. I have my international network of people that I stay in contact with, as well as my Texas cohort through Raise Your Hand Texas. I do want to thank, you know, the Raise Your Hand Texas through the Charles Butt Foundation for that opportunity because I'm I'm blessed for that experience, and it's not over. I have a one-year commitment to continue to support my cohort, improve my practices as a professional, Mm -hmm. as well as give back to Texas public education. So I'm excited about those opportunities. That's great. That is. That's really awesome. Well, thank you so much, Angela, for your time, for meeting with us, for sharing with us about the different activities and innovative practices that you're bringing to the alternative school. Absolutely. Well, thank you. Thank you. I really enjoy getting to see the perspective of innovation in Floresville ISD from two educators that have very different backgrounds. One, a principal administrator at Floresville Alternative Campus, and the other one, an art teacher. I can only imagine the types of activities and other ways to really innovate in a traditional classroom setting. What do you think, Chris? Absolutely. I think that the things that they've been doing at the Alternative School for a while now uh, were an inspiration for our district to move forward with social-emotional learning in a strategic plan. And I know that Angela has been really instrumental in supporting us uh, as she's part of the social-emotional learning team. And I think the stuff that's going on in Megan Aguilar's art class uh, definitely can be used in the traditional classroom. Mm -hmm. So it's excellent the type of things they're doing, and I look forward to see how it's going to spread throughout our district. That concludes episode five. It's now in the books. So until next time, bye! like to thank our listeners for listening to our podcast. So we're adding this little Easter egg to the end of our podcast. After this, you're going to hear a sound of an animal. The first teacher in Floresville ISD to email us a picture of the animal, the sound you hear, will receive a special visit from Irma and I, and will also receive a gift. Mm-hmm.